Good morning. How are we doing this morning? We are so glad that you're with us here at South City Church. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is our joy to have you with us as part of family. And we're so glad you're here. So we hope you feel like one of, a, uh, one of our family. That's, that's our hope and desire. And, and uh, hopefully we can reach out to you in that way. Last week, uh, we talked about what it means to love God and to love each other, especially our neighbor closest to us. The way I talked about it was, what does it mean to love your neighbor within your home, <laughs> right? The closest neighbor to you, your family, husbands, wives, moms, dads, children, even extended family. What does it mean to love your closest neighbor? Well, this morning I want to talk to you about what it, what it takes, how we love God with all that we are, and how we love our neighbor as ourself just outside our door. I want to speak sort of geographically if I can. The neighbor, when I think neighbor, when I say, hey, who's your neighbor? You probably go to think, well, there's these folks here next to me. That's who I'm talking about. The people that are next door, the people that are down the street, the people that are in your uh, community that you live in, the people that are in your city that you live in. That's exactly uh, what I'm talking about. As people of Jesus, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's imperative that we believe and live the great commandment. It was the very scripture that was on the, the uh, film just then. To love God with all that we are, our heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And obviously we've talked about who that is, you know. And when you think about it, Jesus said for you to love the Lord and to love your neighbor. Well, your neighbor is everybody else. Everybody else that you're going to come in contact with, whether it be your family or your next door neighbor, that's who we're speaking of today. Now, the word neighbor throughout Scripture and, and uh, the Old Testament, especially in the New Testament, could refer to somebody right next to you. It could refer to somebody in the next town over, the next city over, the next country over. So that also speaks to the fact that it's, it's everyone. And I just believe if God could do a work in us at South City to be who he wants us to be, loving him and our neighbor. There's no telling what he'll do in our community. One of the books that I've been sort of reading through in, in research and in preparing for these messages is a book called The Art of Neighboring uh, by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. It's a really good book. He, they say the majority of the issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we could just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. So much of our, our community, so much of our society right here in Little Rock, right here in Southwest Little Rock, right in your neighborhood, issues that are going on, God could do so much in those areas of need if we could just learn the value of being the neighbor God wants us to be and loving people the way he would have us to love. We talk about uh, loving people, all people. It's in our vision statement. We talk about it around here all the time. We're serious about it. However, can I just tell you, um, we can't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. We can't just put it on our website and say, oh, that's nice. Look there, what's on the website. We can't just put it in a message and go, here, this is really important to us, and then not do it. That, that's not acceptable. And far too long, many of our churches and many of us have done that. We say we believe this, and yet our lives speak of something else. It means we really have to love. We really have to serve. Can't just be a talking point. And our prayer through this series is that God would give us his heart of love 
for people. Everybody. I like this quote. One of my favorite people to read is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a martyr who died in, in a concentration camp in uh, World War II. An amazing pastor and theologian. This is what he says about community. He says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the one who loves those around them will create community. This is what he's saying. It's not enough to say it. It's not enough to put it on the website. It's not enough to put it in a message. How many of our churches say this? Oh, we just really want to be in the community and be a part of the... Sometimes we can do more harm than good if all we do is talk instead of walk. My heart is that God would give us uh, a power to believe these things that we say so much that they are lived out in our individual lives. And guess what? It doesn't matter that our church is just right here in Southwest Little Rock. No, no, no. This is just a location of our building. You're the church and you live all over the city. And so the hands and feet and heart of Jesus can be all of our city, making a difference by the way we love him and each other. We have to do it. Here's, I'm gonna give you three things today as we talk about loving our community. Uh, the first one is this. If we're gonna love our community well, we have to do it with intention. We have to do it with intention. It, it, we're not gonna accidentally love somebody. Did you notice that? We're not gonna accidentally see somebody come to know Christ. We're not gonna accidentally go serve somebody. That's not gonna happen. It has to be with intentionality. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, 46. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You see, when, when Jesus is speaking, he uses this title, tax collector. Think of the worst person you can think of. I mean, people that when you think of them, you go, ugh, can't stand them. Right? Like ISIS. When you think of that name, these terrorist group of people, you go, oh, I just, they drive me crazy. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan, right? When you think of them in that way, Jesus is saying, even ISIS knows how to love people that love, love them. It's just very human. It's very natural for us to be able to go, oh, you gave me something? Thank you. I love you for that. That's great. It's very easy. God is not calling us to easy. He's calling us to a life in Jesus. And what he has done for you and for me is to love his enemy. The Bible says, before we know Christ, we are enemies of God, right? We are against God. It says in Romans 5, 8 that, that he died while we were still sinners. And that's what he expects of us, to be able to move toward those people that in some ways, at times we've seemed or felt like they were unlovable. unlovable. No, those are the very people we need to move towards. Our family, our friends, those are easy to love. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Who are the people in your city that are not so easy to love? And are you finding yourself moving backwards or moving toward? You're finding yourselves being obedient to scripture or being obedient to your nature, your sin nature. God, move us, not because of us, but because of the gospel and what you've called us to be as Christ followers in Jesus. Uh, John says in 1 John 4, 20, if, if we can't love the people we see, then we can't ever love God because we can't see God. God has placed unbelievable amount of people in front of you 
in your neighborhood, in our city, at your work, in your family. You see them. If you can't love the people you see, then you won't love God whom you cannot see. So we've established who our neighbor is, right? It's everybody other than me. But let's talk about why. Why would we love our neighbor? Number one, Jesus said to. (laughs) That's kind of a big deal, right? Jesus didn't suggest we love our neighbor. Hey, you might ought to consider, hey, something that you could put on your list is, no, that's not what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Did he not? It's a commandment. We need to feel that as Christ followers. This is not an optional thing to do. We have to love people. God has called us to be love because he is love. Because he has first loved us, now we have the capacity to love other people. It's not an option. It's not an option. Here's the second reason. Every single human being bears the image of God. In Latin, it's the imago Dei. The image of God. But how many of us see when we see certain people? Do we see the image of God? Or do we see an enemy? Do we see the image of God or do we see a label that we've placed on a group of people? Do we see the image of God? Because every human being on this planet has been formed in the image of God. We need to have a a sacredness for the fact that every human being bears the image of God and have a desire to see them know the mercy and grace of God that we know. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm reading this book that has been really good, especially for this week's context of loving our community and our our immediate neighbors. It's a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. It's really, really interesting from her perspective and how she writes. I'm going to have a few quotes from her today, but the first one says, radically ordinary hospitality, those who live it seek to make strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Uh, They know that they are like meth addicts or sex trade workers. They take their own sin seriously, including the sin of selfishness and pride. They take God's holiness and goodness seriously. They use the Bible as a lifeline with no exceptions. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. They take biblical theology seriously as well as Christian creeds and confessions and traditions. When you see your neighbor, do you see them as somebody who's like you? Who has a great need? Somebody who has a story? Somebody that doesn't just fit in the label that we've placed on them, but they have a family and they have a history and they have brokenness and they have sinfulness just like we do. Do we see them that way? Or do we just see the label we've given them? Because to love them the way we love ourselves is to say, Lord, I so desperately need your
What's interesting is at the end of 40 years, see, Joshua and Caleb said we shouldn't be afraid, and 40 years later, after marching around in the wilderness, Moses is about to die, and they're about to enter the promised land, and this is what Moses says. He says the same thing that Joshua and Caleb said 40 years before. Deuteronomy 31, 6, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. See, we want to be faithful to know that we've done everything we can. And we don't want to be afraid. We don't want to let fear set in and keep us from telling people the good news of Jesus. I was thinking about all the neighborhoods. You know, our graphic is set up sort of like a neighborhood in homes. Thinking about all the neighborhoods we've lived in over the last 25 years in our marriage and all the places I've lived as a kid. And I, and I wish I could say that, you know, there's not one neighborhood, as I think back through the neighborhoods we've lived in over the years, that I didn't make the rounds and make sure people knew Jesus. I wish I could tell you that. I, I can't. I didn't. I can't even tell you that my current neighborhood have done that. God is working on us. He's moving in us to learn and to move forward. But Paul said that. Look what he said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of uh, repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. I declare today that I have been faithful if anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I did not shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Wouldn't that be awesome? If say, you think you're about to move from the neighborhood you're in and you could stand on your front lawn and go, yep, I've told them. Yes, I've, I've spent time with them in their home or in public. Yes, every person on the street I, I, I've been in relationship with. I've had relational equity to communicate a need for Jesus. I just think that would be incredible. We don't want to be in a place where we look back and say, I didn't do it. I didn't go. So Peter says, don't be afraid. Then he says, be prepared to make a defense for the hope that you have. Now, here's just a simple question. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, man, I, you're just different. Tell me what's going on in your heart. Why do you have hope through this job situation? Why, why do you seem like, like you have peace in the middle of the loss of this loved one? What's going on in you? Would you be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you? Would you be ready to say, man, I'd love to tell you why I'm still working. I'd love to tell you why I still can smile. I'd love to tell you why there's peace in my heart, even though I'm walking through this valley. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. God doesn't call us to be the lawyer to explain everything. He calls us to be the witness, to tell our story, to tell the story of what God has done in us to the world. I think this is interesting. The third thing he tells Peter, Peter says to us is that to do this with gentleness and respect. Listen, your neighbors don't need the gospel shoved down their throat because what you can do is harm 